0: Chapter 13 of Policy and Passion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Policy and Passion by Rosa Campbell Praed. Chapter 13 Father and Daughter it was announced that the parliament of leichardt's land would reopen upon the third of march and miss longleat's departure from cool robin had been originally fixed for the first but as has been seen she had abruptly changed her plans and had commanded mr ferris's escort to town a few days prior to barrington's arrival on the station had she been aware of his intended visit it is probable that she would have lingered in order to make his acquaintance the prospect of a new excitement would have held forth considerable attraction for her at that moment since her interview with dyson maddox honoria had felt restless and unhappy it was certain that she had rejected him yet it seemed by no means equally certain that she did not love him for no sooner had she apparently convinced herself of indifference than his image would persistently obtrude itself as the secondary figure in sundry melodramatic situations of which fancy painted her the heroine poor honoria imagination presented an uncircumscribed field of action involving every condition of being save that of passive enjoyment love fear hate drawing-room comedy and harrowing tragedy were all comprised in her repertoire but the puzzling consideration which interfered with her clear foreshadowing lay in the fact that not one of the unconscious performers who played with her upon the stage of real life and to the pitch of emotional energy demanded by her own high-strung temperament a rachel surrounded by tenth-rate provincial tragedians could hardly have felt more at a loss than did honoria whose lovers with the solitary exception of dyson maddox inspired a temporary excitement followed by a sickening reaction the day before she left cool robin honoria received the following letter from maddox the club leichardt's town february twenty first my dear miss Longleat, forgive me for leaving you so abruptly the other day you will understand better that i can explain what my feelings at the time must have been i have thought much of what you said to me and thank you for your frankness it has convinced me alike of your good-will and your coldness let me say one word upon that subject which may henceforth be considered closed it is my earnest wish that you may love deeply some more fortunate man than myself and that thus the rich colouring which your life lacks now may be brought into it and make you content for myself i am strong enough to stand on one side and watch the course of events it is possible that there may be hope for me in the future but i will not suffer myself to dwell upon so sweet a dream and it is my wish to cultivate indifference you will hear from your father that i have accepted the appointment of minister for lands i hope that i may have acted wisely for the support of our party my new duties will prevent me from calling frequently at the bunyas nor under the present circumstances should i wish to see you often but i beg that you will consider araby at your disposal if you have no riding horses in town at present pardon the suggestion but i think that for your father's sake it would be well if you were in leichardt's town he is lonely without a companion ever faithfully yours dyson maddox honoria read the letter several times and turned it over to see if there were a line or a postscript that she had overlooked but there was nothing to remove the impression of abandonment which the cold guarded sentences left on her mind she was one of those women to whom a possession becomes sweet in proportion as its attractions are enhanced by the doubtful charm of uncertainty now that maddox had apparently reconciled himself to her dismissal she felt a strong desire to recall him she even composed the opening words of a reply to his letter why should the subject be closed you have not understood me as i wished then her cheeks flamed and she tossed her head of course such words could not be written and didn't she not know that if she were mad enough to send them she would regret them an hour afterwards no let him go this pale sisterly attachment was not the love of which she had dreamed the last words of his note appeared to carry a veiled meaning to which she had no clue she was in entire ignorance of the incipient flirtation with mrs Valancy, to which in fact dyson had alluded and was at a loss to understand mr ferris's malign chuckle when she announced that upon her father's account she wished to go to town i assure you that there is no occasion to disturb yourself he said in a sneering tone your father has found society which will i am sure amply replace your own what does he mean asked honoria of mrs ferris when the old man had left the room oh my love replied aunt pen it's that gossip Dungie who has been talking he picks up and circulates all the scandal and coupure. the premier is but a man and there are brazen hussies all the world over but you need not be afraid of a stepmother mrs Valancy has got a husband though they say that he's not any better than he should be either honoria elevated her eyebrows contemptuously too proud to pursue the subject nevertheless she held to her determination of joining her father immediately the mailman had passed by so that there was no mode of informing mr longleat of the change in her plans embracing the idea of a surprise she made a two days journey from cool robin travelling by steamer from kuya and arriving in leichardt's town about five o'clock in the afternoon mr ferris hailed a cab at the wharf and escorted her to the Bunyas. honoria's spirits revived at the sight of the bustle around her and she was pleased with the appearance of the house the oleanders in front were still in bloom and the veranda was adorned with stands of choice ferns and caladiums the maid who opened the door looked surprised to see her mistress and upon being questioned said that she believed mr longley was in the garden probably you have business in town said honoria haughtily, dismissing her escort we shall see you at dinner i suppose mr ferris refused the curt invitation and departed to an hotel where he might at least alleviate his sense of mortification by brandy and soda-water honoria entered the drawing-room threw off her hat and gloves and ordered tea with a lurking hope that chance might lead dyson maddox thither that afternoon the room had a look of late occupation it was large and tastefully furnished extending the width of the house and facing at the back a trim lawn and shrubbery shaded by a row of bamboos which separated the premier's grounds from the botanical gardens Honoria turned over the books upon the table and with a view to her winter's campaign began planning a new arrangement of the furniture but this was dull work unaided and she walked out into the garden to search for her father the recollection of mr ferris's insinuations gave bent to her suspicions nevertheless it occasioned a disagreeable shock to her nerves to discover mr longleat seated on a bench in one of the shadiest alleys of the shrubbery side by side with a lady whom she instantly recognised as mrs valiancy no suggestion is more repellent to a young girl's maidenly instinct than that of an equivocal love-affair on the part of her father mrs valiancy and mr longleat were sitting very close together and one slender black-gloved hand rested confidingly upon the premier's white linen coat-sleeve the expression of his face as it was bent in profile over his companion sent a qualm of disgust and repugnance through honoria's mind a fierce jealousy seized her frame and stiffened it to the coldness of ice she erected her crest and straightened her gait as she walked majestically across the lawn papa she said in silvery neutral tones when she had reached within a few paces of where they sat papa mrs Valancy was a woman whose emotions were under strict control and beyond a slight suffusion of colour she showed no embarrassment mr longley grew very red and looked annoyed i am afraid that i have startled you said honoria with an enunciation which contempt and anger rendered very distinct i have just arrived i have made up my mind to leave kulrabin a few days sooner than i had at first intended and i knew that the house would be ready i hope that you are glad to see me papa i'm always glad to see you my dear replied longleat recovering his composure and ashamed of himself for having felt guilty mrs valiancy i think you know my daughter the two ladies who were slightly acquainted shook hands always independent-like and taking your own way eh he added with an awkward attempt at familiarity it isn't every young woman as had the liberty to come to town when she chose are you quite well my girl he said scrutinising her face with anxious pride somehow you seem to me as though you weren't quite up to the mark i am very well papa replied honoria in a chilling tone only a little tired with my journey i have ordered tea perhaps you will come into the drawing-room and have some she added turning to mrs valiancy i ought to be going home said the latter in her appealing way your father is so kind i was walking in the botanical gardens and he met me and persuaded me to come in and see his roses i have been asking him to explain the great political question and he is so good as to be interested in my partisanship though my husband is a renegade you must not judge either of us too harshly miss longleat it is a delightful surprise seeing you you are down for the winter i suppose that depends upon the progress of affairs replied honoria if the ministry is ousted we shall probably retire to the obscurity of cool robin i left janie with mrs ferris she added turning to her father i thought it wiser to do so in case of our beating a sudden retreat her effort at hilarity was caused by the appearance of maddox in the veranda. he had called to see the premier and did not become aware of honoria's presence till he had crossed the lawn he bowed gravely to mrs valiancy shook hands with miss longleat and nodded to his colleague for the first time in his society an uncomfortable shyness took possession of honoria she hurriedly proposed that they should go within doors and when they were in the drawing-room poured out the tea handed cream and sugar and fruit and talked volubly with a little caustic flavouring to her speech which puzzled mrs valiancy and afforded honoria herself the zest of dramatising presently mrs valiancy rose and mr longleat offered to accompany her to the ferry thus dyson and honoria were left alone what is that woman doing here she asked turning fiercely upon him as though he were responsible for mrs valiancy's presence i am sorry to see that she and your father have become friends he answered quietly you know some evil of her continued honoria she is in an unfortunate position her husband is a brute and treats her unkindly she has the reputation of being a coquette men speak lightly of her and she is avoided by nice minded women that is sufficient reason why you should not be allowed to drift into an intimacy with her you need not fear that i shall ever be friendly with her i detest those eyes at once shallow and deep and that air of injured innocence which is only a mask to attract pity and admiration a woman can always read a woman she is false to the core i had rather be a murderess than a hypocrite to my real self it was on her account then on my father's that you advised me to come down i am not afraid but thank you that was like you i did not know you in your letter it was so cold so it would grieve me deeply if you ceased to-to be interested in me i can never cease to be interested in you said maddox but it is wiser for me that i should shun you i think that i understand you better than you do yourself he added with bitterness you would like me to become your lap-dog again you want me to be your slave but you reject me as your lover i cannot submit to the one position i will not strive for the other a man who tries to force the affection of a woman is contemptible perhaps after all fidelity is an overrated virtue i want to cure myself if you have the nobility which i fancy you possess you will help me or you will own that you love me and put me out of my suspense Honoria sat still with her eyes upon the ground then suddenly she looked up and caught his gaze its very ardour quenched her dawning affection and his appearance was rough his coat ill-made and by reason of his useless arm put on awry involuntarily she shook her head her thoughts were reflected in her face and he read them plainly enough i am not polished enough for you he said no that is true i am not of the kind from which you will choose your husband good-bye honoria he said in a husky voice look to me if you need a friend but do not expect that i shall be an acquaintance i came thinking that your father would be alone to talk over a political matter but it is of no great consequence and i will not wait perhaps you will kindly tell him that i will call at the treasury before the meeting of the executive to-morrow Honoria uttered a faint assent and he left her when she was alone she threw herself upon the sofa and burst into an hysterical fit of weeping mr longley entering a short time later found her sitting in a dejected attitude by the window she had not heard him return and he was able to perceive the traces of tears upon her cheeks his heart yearned towards her and yet he scarcely knew how to accost her this delicate piece of human mechanism which was his own but not of him of which he was so proud yet hardly dared to touch he went up behind her and laid his large rough hand awkwardly upon her shoulder she shrank and turned her face away "Honey, my girl said longleat i thought you looked out of sorts as though you had been crying like honorio twitched her body petulantly and his hand fell i am quite well she answered a little tired that's all you did not used to be tired with a journey from cool robin continued longleat wounded yet persistent there's something troubling you my dear it's not your way i know to speak of what is in your mind you are one of the proud reserved sort as i've liked you to be a girl like you should keep her dignity and not let those that are beneath her into her confidence but i'd be sore indeed if you kept a grief from me what's nearer than father and daughter and were that to each other nothing can alter it i think it might be better for us both if we talked more openly to one another it'd be better for me a man needs sympathy sometimes i've got a queer feeling on me i'm a bit of a fatalist something that's written up above is going to happen and i want to keep hold on you it seems as if for all you've been to me we had never been companions like there hasn't been that confidence between us that i'd have wished let us stick together honey. let us try to cotton with each other at any other time the appeal would have touched a responsive chord but the distasteful thought of his friendship for mrs Valancy produced a feeling of revulsion and honoria's dissatisfaction made her ungracious i have always told you everything of importance to us both she said perversely and there is nothing on my mind now and you have got friends there's mrs valiancy i did not expect to find her here to-day i am told that you are very intimate with her yes i have got to know her replied mr longleat deliberately i have got to like her ladies are not much in my line but she understands me she is soft and clever and winning and she is not too fine to talk to a rough old man like me and i am sorry for her she is unhappily married she has got a hard life poor thing i i'd be glad honoria if you would make friends with her and ask her to come and see you sometimes honoria's eyes flashed in wrath mrs valiancy will appreciate your consolation more than she will mine answered the girl with a jarring laugh no i cannot be her friend she is not a woman whom i could ever like or respect papa you will not force her companionship upon me i see women are as hard as the devil to each other said longleat bitterly i'll not force any one upon you whom you dislike but i shall make friends with whom i please he moved away from his daughter with the feeling that they had taken opposite sides and that it behooved him to defend his own the request which he had made had been prompted by a hardly defined instinct of right by placing mrs valiancy beneath the aegis of his daughter's friendship he hoped to secure himself against the possibility of dishonourable intent honoria's unexpected arrival in leichardt's town had caused a reaction from his late unwholesome excitement as he had walked home from the ferry he had almost succeeded in convincing himself that his attraction towards mrs valiancy had arisen from a natural longing for feminine sympathy and that having found this in the society of his daughter he must of necessity attach less significance to the emotion which those half-stolen interviews in mrs valiancy's dim drawing-room had produced in his frame yet in his moments of deepest infatuation he had not admitted the existence of guilty feeling a man drifting towards passionate admiration of a married woman does not readily own to an unlawful attraction it takes the name of friendship pity congeniality of taste anything but love i'll do as i please he repeated i've a right to choose my own friends and if they don't suit you honey, we must keep apart you have been educated different to me and we don't think alike i am not complaining of that it is what i meant all along my heart has been so set on your being a lady that i would not have had you like myself that has been my pride i hated the aristocrats i hated their caste prejudices their laws made for the rich and not for the poor their cant and hypocrisy their snivelling contempt for honest independent men i wanted to show them that my daughter the daughter of a bullock-driver could be as delicate and as fine as their own it might have been happier for me if i had let you grow up rough like maggie lamb but whether or no i would not change you there's plenty of money spend it and make yourself happy buy as many gowns and trinkets as you like and hold up your head so that every one shall envy you as i said before there hasn't been much companionship between us and perhaps it was not to be expected it has come upon me lately this feeling of loneliness there is not much satisfaction after all in riches and power papa said honoria in a choked voice i would have been more to you if i could you have not brought me up to take a deep interest in your occupations or to understand your thoughts that's where it is i wanted to make a lady of you i wanted the whole of leichardt's land to say there's thomas longleat's daughter fit to be a duchess i have kept you apart from me on purpose i have done it for your good and for my pleasure and i am not grumbling at my own work there has always been love between us honoria i am certain of that but where there is no confidence love is apt to die out it would cut me to the heart if you were to grow ashamed of my rough ways or to go again me papa cried honoria you speak very strangely i don't want to go against you i am very grateful for all that you have done for me you know that i am most anxious for your political success i have wished to make you happy ay ay i am not complaining of you said longleat i only said that i felt lonely like you shook my hand off your shoulder just now if things came out again me you would not take my rough old head and lay it there where you could not bear my hand to rest you are a fair weather child and i have reared you so it's all success that tells with you i have got a queer longing on me a man needs more in life than only to be proud of his own perhaps if janie's mother had lived i should not have felt so she would a made it up to me you never mention your first wife said honoria in a stifled way her filial sentiment was not great she did not remember her mother and had a vague notion that it was better not to talk of her yet in some inexplicable way she resented the slight to her memory implied by longleat's frequent allusions to her successor longleat reddened consciously Poor Sarah he muttered i married her at the diggings she wasn't my sort she had fine ways she had some education she was a london girl she there do not talk of her you never knew her you had best let her alone at any rate i am her daughter said honoria you do me an injustice she added hysterically and left the room her eyes swimming in tears honey honey longley called after her despairingly but she did not return she had her cry out in her own chamber then stiffened herself with an air of reserve so that when she sat down to dinner with her father she met his tentative advances with cold incomprehension and discussed the political prospects with as much calm interest as though no tender spot had been touched in her heart the premier was in an excited mood contrary to his usual custom he drank several glasses of wine rapidly one after the other scarcely eating but talking volubly the townspeople are shouting that the government is in a bad way he said middleton and his party are chuckling in their sleeves but he who laughs longest laughs most the floods out west have kept five of our men from getting down if they don't arrive in time the opposition will have a good chance of ousting us but i mean fighting and if stonewalling tactics will tide me over by george i'll use them Honoria asked pointed questions which showed her appreciation of the situation yet with all her interest was mingled a half contempt for what she considered the pettiness of the object what did it matter after all whether longleat or middleton were in power you don't seem to get the steam up said her father you will be as excited as any of them when the house Meets, mind you i am not saying that we shall not be beaten this time but i'll let you into a secret there's another shot in my locker i have set my heart on coming out winner the premier of leichardt's lands is a big man in the colonies now but he will be a bigger man yet before he has done he rose from the table and shook his great shoulders i feel hot and out of sorts he said i think that i will take a stroll down towards the gardens you will be going early to bed perhaps i shall turn into the club and see if dyson maddox is there i fancy that he wanted to talk to me this afternoon annoyed delivered the message that dyson had left were you surprised to hear that he was minister for lands no she replied he is the most likely man you could have chosen i think you have done wisely he has a good head upon his shoulders the time may come when he will step into my shoes honoria i had counted upon your being the premier's wife it has been a bitter disappointment to me that you have made up your mind again him perhaps you will think different by and by no she exclaimed defiantly i shall never think differently the premier looked at her wistfully and took up his hat good-night my dear he went out and walked down the street his white linen clothes making him a conspicuous object in the half-light it was one of honoria's grievances that he did not as a rule change his apparel for dinner she watched him from the dining-room windows as in her jealous misgiving she had thought probable he passed the turning that led to the club and went on towards the ferry then was lost to sight beneath the shadow of the bamboos the girl smiled grimly and uneasily she was ashamed of the suspicion yet was half ready to believe that he was on his way to visit mrs Falloncy, and had the miserable conviction that her power was failing her on all sides in truth when he had left the bunyas longleat had no fixed bent for his footsteps they had turned unconsciously towards the river and as the boat was lying at the ferry steps he got into it he was the only passenger and the boatman pettit was loquacious as usual it were a bad thing for folks as could not walk steady to live at emu point valiancy had had a close shave of falling in not an hour since not but what a ducking had been like to sober him and lord how he swore at the premier he warrant not to let him carry his railway he'd be damned if the government stopped in a week after parliament opened longley boiled with indignation he reflected upon a promise he had made the day before and of a proposition which he meant to bring forward in the cabinet on the morrow was this the creature for whom he was about to imperil his political reputation then he pictured the drunken husband's return his probable ill-treatment of the beautiful injured wife Longleat bethought him of her words if only there were some place even so far north to which he could be sent gundaroo presented obvious advantages the premier loitered about the point for half an hour or more not daring to approach the Valancy's cottage too closely but keeping a keen watch upon the light which flickered in the windows of the drawing-room a friend met him and cried hullo longleat what brings you over here longleat stammered an incoherent remark upon the heat of the night and the pleasant breeze that always blew upon this side of the water then with a guilty feeling weighing upon him retraced his steps End of chapter 13